You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey everybody, welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. This is going to be the Bee Buzz Episode 3. Thank you so very much for being here. I do appreciate you. And uh, as always, feel free to drop me an email, Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. So I tell you, when we uh, first started doing the Bee Buzz here, I was kind of thinking this might be a one episode per week kind of thing, but there's just been so much coming in, so many... There's just been so many emails coming in lately that I, I want to just jump on them right away because I think there's a whole lot of people who have the same things going on in their mind right now, same questions. So let's just get it out there and let's get it out there and share. And hopefully some of this info will be of value to at least more than one or two of you out there. All right, got an email today and uh, I, I'm going through a bunch of them here, but one of them was with regarding to uh, checkerboarding of frames. So if you're not familiar th- with this, you might have like a deep and inside that deep, as an example, maybe you have seven frames that are completely drawn up and there's a mix of brood, pollen, nectar, honey throughout there. And in an effort to get the bees to draw up all the comb, you do this checkerboarding technique where you basically put a regular frame that is drawn with comb and everything. Then you put in a frame of foundation and then a regular frame that's drawn up with resources and then another blank frame of foundation and you just do every other one now this this is not you know this is not something that i would say is ineffective by any means basically what's happening is you're taking advantage of this disruption to the way the bees have laid everything out and you're forcing them to say i don't know what's going on here but let's just draw this up and rearrange things and make it right i don't do it and the reason that i don't do it is we do sometimes have challenges in getting the bees to move left and right. Sometimes they'll fill out in a traditional 10 frame setup. They'll fill out the middle seven or eight. They won't touch the sides at all. And you'll find a queen cell, a swarm cell. And you're going, what's up, man? You guys got plenty of room. I don't get it. And then sometimes that exact same situation, you see them get to about 60, 70% capacity you drop another deep on top or, or you know, however your setup is, you give them more space above and they don't even go up there. And you're like, what in the world's going on? Or you can even get, again, swarm cells. You have an entire deep that's available to them right above them 
and they won't cross that threshold. Like they don't recognize that as being expansion space they can move into. The way that I handle this, and I'll cover both those scenarios. If you have a deep, let's say by itself, and let's say that as we number the frames, you're looking down from left to right, doesn't matter which way you go, but in this case, we'll go left to right, one through 10. So maybe they're not touching frames one, two, and three, and they're not touching nine and 10, and everything in the middle is drawn up. Go to frame number three. So this is going to be just regular foundation that they haven't touched. Pull that out. Slide the first two drawn frames over. So now they're going to be occupying spaces three and four. And then in space five, drop that foundation. So now what you're going to have is a frame of foundation that's not drawn, just regular foundation in slots one, two, nine, and ten. And then you'll have whatever they're working with already, whether it's honey, nectar, brood, you know, whatever they have available, that is going to be in frames three, four, and six and seven. Frame five, right smack in the middle, is just blank foundation. So what you've done is completely disrupted their mindset, right? They want to have things in places where their brood are co-located with some nectar, co-located next to or near some pollen. They want all those things in the same general area. You drop that piece of foundation right smack in the middle, and they're like, what in the world's going on? And they will take care of it. So I generally... That's kind of the approach that I usually take to get them to draw up a frame. And then, you know, if it's the middle of a flow, there's a lot going on. I may even do that one and then maybe go, you know, one way or another, a couple of frames and maybe add in a second one. But, you know, in the springtime, when you've got a nectar flow on, they're going to be drawing things out very quickly, right? You're going to have a ton of bees being born every day, lots of workers available to get things done. They're going to draw things up super quick. So you get, you get a lot more latitude when you're in the middle of a flow than at other times. Generally speaking, sticking a frame of foundation in the middle of a brood chamber is a quick way to get them to draw up that comb. I mentioned before that we would talk about a scenario where we drop another deep on top and the bees aren't moving up. Now, I've talked about this in the past, but I recognize not everybody is jumping in at episode one and going all the way through. But let's say in that scenario we just went over where we've got five frames of brood and other miscellaneous items in those five or six frames, and it's time to move up. You really want them to expand up. Just grab a frame of brood out of the middle of the colony, move it straight up into that upper deep, and then stick wax foundation in its place down below. So the bees are going to move up to cover that brood. The the nurse bees will move up because that's their job, is to care for and protect young and developing bees. So they are going to move up there to make sure they're covered and warm, And that will force them to expand up. That's just one of a few tricks you can use. Now, another topic that came up was mixing deep and medium hardware for the brood chamber. So I've said many times, right, there really isn't a standard. There's no real set way where someone says, this is the way you have to set up your colonies and that's the only right way. I don't like that. A lot of people try to impose their will on others and say, well, this is how it's done and this is the way you have to do it. I take the opposite approach. I mean, you can grab an igloo cooler and some wood and make some framing and stick that wood framing inside the cooler and put some wax foundation inside your igloo cooler and open up the drain spout on it and stick it outside in your yard and you have a beehive. Throw a queen and some bees on the inside of it. They will draw up comb and you've got a beehive, right? Igloo cooler. 
So there's no one fixed set way of doing things. Find something that works for you, do it, and don't worry about what anybody else says, and you'll be fine. So mixing the two of them, though, here is why I kind of don't like it. And, and, and I see the mindset, too, right? Sometimes two deeps is a lot of space, and maybe one, maybe you feel like it's not quite enough. So I, I get it. But here's the problem. So you have your deep, and you've got all of your deep frames, and then the queen's working through the middle there. She will have a tendency to kind of push up. If there's not a queen excluder and she wants to kind of move vertically, she'll, you know, she may move up, end up into that medium. So she starts laying in the medium and doing her thing up there. And then you're in a situation where you've got not everything necessarily drawn up in the deep. Everything on the edges is honey. Everything in the middle is brood. But you don't really have a consistent way to do things. So let's say, for example, that you wanted to, and this actually came up today. So let's say the queen goes up into the medium, lays some eggs up in there. She's doing her thing, and they start rearing brood in that space. And then they have a queen cell up there. So you're thinking, hey, this is awesome, right? Time Swarm time. Might go ahead and take that frame and put it into one of my nukes and start a new colony, right? Well, that's cool. I mean, if you have a medium nuke, now, I actually do. I have some medium nukes, but that's not really the common kind of thing. Most nukes are going to be deeps. Now, you can still stick that medium frame. I'm sure somebody's going to yell at you about it, but you can still stick that medium frame in that deep. So if you have a queen cell and she's on a medium frame, put it in the deep. Let her hatch. Let her go out. Let her be mated and do everything she needs to do. When you confirm that she's back and she's laying, remove that medium frame, put it back in your other colony, and you're back in business. But the real primary reason that I don't like to mix them up is I like this separation between my deeps as brood chambers and my mediums as honey supers. That's just my preference. I just want to make sure that I'm keeping any kind of disease or anything that might live or be unhappy or unhealthy that could potentially be in a brood cell on a brood frame. I would just rather have that separated from my honey. Again, it's a preference because you can do it. You might have two, three, four hives, and it's not a big deal at all to keep those things separate. Whether you use a Sharpie or whether you use a tag of some sort or a label, whatever you do to just annotate or mark them in some way, put a big X on it. If it's got an X, then you don't put it on a honey super. Problem solved, right? So again, it's it's a little bit kooky, a little bit different, but there's nothing wrong with it. If that works for you, then do it. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. So another question came up about, you know, queen cups and, and you know, what do you do with them? Uh, you know, queen cups are what you're going to see before you're going to see a swarm cell or a queen cell of some type. And, you know, you're going to notice it generally towards like the bottom third of the frame. And it just, it's just a little round cup. And this is sort of the foundation for a swarm cell. I leave them alone. Uh, the way that I kind of described this, I think in my, in my response was it's better to dance with the devil, you know, than the one you don't leave those queen cups there because you, you know where it is, you see it, you found it, and now you know where to look for queen cells if they start popping up. Now, for me, I like my queen cells. I, I If I have a hive that's got six of them in there, then, you know, I'm taking them out and I'm making new colonies with them. Or if a friend of mine has a queen issue, I'm like, hey, I've got queen cells, you can just grab one of mine. Or, you know, whatever scenario presents itself where someone needs a queen or a queen cell, it's nice to have a few of them around. If you decide you don't need them, you just give them the hive tool test and uh and move on but a lot of people get concerned they see the queen cup and they think you know crap here comes the swarm um it's it's really it's a relatively early thing that they do it's just part of the spring pre-swarm kind of process not every queen cup becomes a queen cell if you're uncomfortable with it if it really really bothers you then go ahead and just squish it just give a little pinch to it and move on but for the most part i wouldn't worry about it unless you look in there and you see you know, you're, it's tough to see the egg in there, but you can definitely see a young larva with that uh, royal jelly just kind of, you know, coated in, in a little pool of royal jelly. Then you know that things are definitely getting real. But the queen cups in and of themselves are really nothing to worry about. Now, I would say if you're in a situation where you had a massive amount of them, you know, maybe maybe squeeze a couple of them so you only have a couple per frame. But in general, don't even worry about it. They'll take care of it. When it's time for them to make queens, they'll start cranking them out. The most important thing is that if you actually are, are trying to prevent a swarm and you don't want to expand, you really, really have to do good inspections. You're gonna, you've, you've got to look really, really closely because if you miss one, you just have to miss one queen cell and they're gone. And that's just, that's kind of a sad thing. I mean, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty exciting when you see a swarm and see them all taken off out the door and I don't know, I could tell some funny stories. There was one time where I, I had just happened to walk up on a swarm coming out of one of my colonies and the queen flew out the front door and landed like three feet away from me. I looked at her and I was like, that is the queen. So I grabbed her, I threw her in a cage and I just set her down right over in that area. And eventually they all worked their way over to her. And then I put her in another box in a different part of the yard and 
And I, I was all excited. I was like, yay, I saved the colony. And then they swarmed again. They left, I think it was like three days later, they were gone. So, oh, well, what do you do? Okay, so we had a really good question today around Varroa treatments. Knowing that, you know, with the Apovar, you're looking at about four to six weeks with those strips inside that brood chamber. So you open the, the colony up in the spring, right? You got a nectar flow in the spring. So you want to, if you want to treat in the spring, well, there's a nectar flow on. So you got a lot of the nectar flow is tied up with Apovar strips because you're not going to put honey supers on the colony that are for human consumption when you have Apovar on there. Well, then you have a dearth going on in the summer. So you're probably not going to harvest anything that they may have gotten, you know, recently because you want to make sure they have enough to get through the summer. Maybe your supplemental feeding, well, you don't want to harvest sugar syrup honey. Well, then you get around to the fall. If you're a person who treats in the fall, you know, there's a little bit of a fall flow, which is great. So if you wanted to kind of try to capitalize on that for yourself, well, then you can't be treating them at that time. So what do you do, right? So really good question. Um, What I would say is, as an example here, like right now, it's the 15th of March. I would say open your colony today. Right, open the hive today, tomorrow, this weekend. Get those strips in there right away. I think the rule of thumb there is two per brood chamber. So, you know, put down, you know, put your strips in, get them as close to the most activity as possible, which is generally going to be those middle frames, right? Don't put the strips out at frames one and ten, right? Bring them towards the middle, maybe around four and five and six and seven, somewhere in that area. But get them in there now. Leave them on there till the end of April, last week of April first couple days of May, throw your honey super on there. That gives them the full month of May, maybe a little bit into June, depending on where you live. I'm speaking mostly for Virginia because this email came from someone in Virginia. Special shout out to Adam and Candace. But anywhere else you may be, you have to adjust or adapt that to to your area. But we're going to have a flow probably where I am till about, you know, late May, early June. And that should give you enough time to get some of that honey in. Now, there are alternatives with the Apovar strips, you know, you're doing four to six weeks where the strips are in there and the bees have to physically, you know, walk across the strips to get the medication. With oxalic acid, you are taking this powdered oxalic acid and then you're putting it into this machine that essentially vaporizes the powder and then you blow the vapor into the colony, close it up completely, let it sit there for about 15 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes, open everything up and your treatment is done. Right now, I would say probably give it a day or two before you throw your honey supers on there, but you're done really fast. So that's the kind of thing where you can go through an entire bee yard, you know, and doing hundreds of bees a day or hundreds of colonies a day and very effective. The The tough part about it is there's a bit of a barrier to entry there with the actual machine that does the vaporizing. Last time I checked, they were about $500. And then, of course, buying the, you know, the powdered oxalic acid by itself. But that might be the kind of thing where you get together like as a club type of thing. And I don't know how well that would work, though, because, you know, you'd have to it's not like everybody's bringing their colonies to the club and then you're doing, you know, like a like a mass vaccination kind of thing. Like, yeah, just bring your colony to the to the bee club here and we'll vaccinate your colony. So I don't think that's going to work too well. So anyway, that is an expensive way of doing things. It is very quick and does not require the same amount of waiting like you do with Apovar. But like I said, it is pretty pricey to get into. Still did get a couple of emails today with regard to supering uh, honey supers. And you know, I think people are really concerned and scared about, uh, I don't know if I, I, maybe I 
instilled too much of a sense of fear about the bees becoming too cold in the spring. Like I said, it's really just if you get those cold temperatures that are frigid, like probably in the 20s, low 30s Fahrenheit for an extended period of time after they have laid up a lot of brood, that's the scenario that I'm talking about where it's more of a, of a risky kind of situation. But you can have a lot of bees. I mean, a whole lot of bees packed into a deep. So to further explain this, if I'm going to make a queen rearing setup, what I'm trying to do is I'm going to graft newly laid eggs that are young larvae, put them into frames that are designed to make queen cells, and I'm going to take a regular deep full of bees. I'm then going to load up every frame in there, where except for about one or two spaces, depending on how I'm doing this, I'm going to load up everything in there with frames of capped brood that are about to be born. I'm also going to shake a bunch of nurse bees off of other brood frames from other colonies. This thing is, I'm telling you, if you've ever seen pictures of them, they are going to explode with bees. And you remove the queen. So you have this massive-sized colony with tons of honey, resources, everything that they need, and they don't have a queen. So you put a frame with 25 or 30 grafted queen cells in there, which is, again, just a regular egg that has been laid. It is now a larva, and it's ready to be raised into a queen. And there's, again, about 30 of them on this frame. You drop that in there, and the bees go nuts, and they feed them because there's so many nurse bees. They feed them really well, and the queen cells get really, really big and healthy, right? That's how you build a cell builder, queen cell builder. But the point I'm getting at is that deep can hold a massive, massive number of bees. So don't worry too much right now that, oh, my God, they're going to run out of space and they're going to swarm on me, right? Yeah, they're going to. They're going to swarm. But if you still think it's too cold out, then just wait a little bit. Give them another week, right? I think right now in most of Virginia, I think you're, you're safe to throw on. You know, if you have a good, healthy colony, they made it through the winter, and they're out, they're starting to forage, things are looking good. I think you're going to be safe to go ahead and super them now. I would say anything from, I don't know, probably Maryland, Pennsylvania, south, you know, and just make that line across the country roughly. But don't overthink it, right? If you're just, if you only have a few nights here and there that are getting down into those cooler temperatures, the bees are going to be fine keeping the brood warm, you know, if you have a good cluster in there. Just try not to disrupt things too much. Drop that super on there, let the weather warm up, and they'll be fine. And that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is if they've actually packed out that deep, right, if that deep is completely full of nectar and pollen, we would kind of call that being honey-bound, right? They've got so much nectar and pollen and everything else in there that they don't even have room to lay eggs. Well, that's problematic. you got to have space for the queen to lay eggs. So obviously in situations like that, you've got to get those supers on. If I had that, if I actually opened up my colony and all 10 frames were completely packed, I would put two honey supers on right there on the spot. Just put your queen excluder, drop two honey supers on there, or at least if you're using a two deep setup, throw a deep on there, load it up with frames and a honey super. Because I'm telling you, if they've got that much already, they, that colony is going to go nuts in the next couple of weeks. All right, folks, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and call it a night here on the Bee Buzz episode three. But again, thank you so much for all the emails and you know, keep them coming. That's what I'm here for. And like I said, next episode is going to be episode 28. We're going to talk about doing some splits 
things to look for, things to plan for, different ideas, approaches, all that good stuff. And we'll get that recorded sometime here in the next week. All right, folks, take care of yourself, stay out of trouble, and I will talk to you soon. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.